It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning, 71.5 degrees outside. It'll be another hot Saturday, maybe a little bit of breeze this afternoon, but it'll be okay for gardening this morning. It's still very pleasant right now. It's 71 degrees outside. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I am here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden and making it a little happier. If you're not gardening, well, maybe I should say if you're not happy when you're gardening, then you're not doing it quite right. If you're doing it as a chore, if you're doing it as something that just makes you miserable doing it, then why do it? Why not do something else? When I garden, I do it because it makes me happy to learn something, to do something, to accomplish something, to make something prettier. And if it's something that makes me sweat and miserable, then unless I have a larger goal in mind, I would just rather go in the house and be in the air conditioning. If you have a question about how to be more successful, about what to do to get one more flower, one better looking lawn, one healthier tree, one better looking houseplant, you can call me 404-872-0750. This is also the place where you get unexpectedly good news about a creature that just drives me nuts, and that is the deer fly. This is aimed at some of O'Neill Williams' residual listeners right now. If you're a hunter or a fisherman, you know what a deer fly is and what a miserable insect it is. Deer flies are, well, you know what they look like. If you know, if you've ever been bitten by a deer fly, you know exactly what we're talking about. They're, oh, a quarter of an inch long. They're not really fast. A lot of times, if you slap one, if you see one flying around, and he lands on your skin, if you're pretty quick, you can slap them and kill them. Feel moments of triumph until the next one comes around and tries to land on you unexpectedly. And when they bite, oh, it hurts. It stings. It is a bad bite. It is a thing you do not want to experience. Deer fly. Don't like them. Bad thing. I'm sure some bird somewhere eats deer fly and they have some benefit to the environment. I'm sure there's something good about a deer fly, but when they're near my body, there's nothing good at all. They are bad. But here is what the new research shows. Deer flies have, a, have an Achilles heel. They have something that they do that makes them susceptible to control. Here's how you do it. The one thing that they really, really, really are attracted to is the color blue. And the one thing that they really like that color blue to be doing is moving just a little bit. Why? I don't know. I'm not here to explain about why it is. I'm not an entomologist. I don't know why this is. But deer fly love, deer flies love something blue that's moving very slowly through the landscape. Ha ha ha! Now we're talking because now we can get one of those blue plastic solo cups. You know what a solo cup is? The one you drink beer in, the one that's red when you go to UGA football game, all those plastic solo cups. You get them by the pack dozen, you know, for a couple of dollars at the grocery store. So you take two or three of those blue solo cups and you brush on, paint on some sticky stuff. Now the sticky stuff can be 
STP oil treatment. I go to the hardware store, to the to the auto store. You get this oil treatment. It's real sticky stuff. You usually pour it into your into your car to make it not smoke. But STP is the stuff I've used before. You can also buy from uh, Pike stuff called Tanglefoot. And Tanglefoot is also a real sticky sort of icky stuff you put onto the trunk of trees to capture insects. You get something sticky. Okay. Bottom line, I don't even know if you could take um, duct tape or something like that and put it sticky side out around this blue cup. It probably wouldn't work, though, because you got to see the color blue. So that wouldn't work so good. All right, you coat a blue plastic Solo cup with something sticky, and then put it upside down on top of a stick, and maybe put a nail through the end of the stick so the cup doesn't fly away in the wind. But you just walk around your property, or you walk around the area of your campsite, or you put it on the end of your boat. When you're trolling through the lake, when you're fishing, just put a couple of these, one on one end, one on the other end of your boat. Deer fly love the color blue, and they'll come right in to see what it is blue that's moving through their environment, and they get stuck on the sticky stuff on the blue cup. This is brilliant. This is awesome. This is terrific. This is verified by science. University of Florida, guy down there who just was really mad at deer flies. <laughs> he said, we're going to capture some deer flies. And I have a colleague, Greg Huber, county extension agent, lives down south of Atlanta, down in Concord, Georgia. And he said, you know, we ain't got a lot to do in Concord, Georgia. Lovely little town, but not a whole lot of entertainment down there. And so Greg took two or three of these blue solo cups, put the sticky stuff on him, put him on a stick on the front of his golf cart. <laughs> he and the kids drove real slowly around their property. He said dozens, dozens, dozens of these deer flies got captured by the blue Solo cup with the sticky stuff on it. Amazing. So if you're a hunter, if you're an outdoor gardener, if you've ever been miserableized by deer flies, Think about doing this. One of those weird little things that really does work. If you need some more details, you need to get the full full uh, story about it, see the research done at Florida, then you can go to my website, WalterReeves.com. It's the first thing on my page. I put it on the first thing because I saw it yesterday and I thought, this is great. Deer fly, capture them. Plastic cup, everybody's got one. Sticky stuff, you can get it. Hey. We're going to fix these daggum deer flies right now. Our phone, <clears throat> our phone number is 404-872-0750. Charles is in Merida, Georgia, and joins us on Lawley Garden. Hey, Charles, good hey. morning. Hey, Walter, thank you so much. Um, I have an issue that's driving me crazy. I've been in this home about 10 years and done a huge lot of landscaping. I have areas of periwinkle and uh, pachysandra, and growing up now throughout the areas, or poison oak, to which yeah. I'm incredibly allergic. Yeah, yeah. How do I how do I get rid of this without getting hurting my pachysandra and my periwinkle? You know, just last week I got something that is just exactly what you need, Charles. It is the new Roundup gel. Have you seen that? Roundup what, sir? It's, it's Roundup, you know, the herbicide, the weed killer, Roundup, but it's in a gel. It comes in a little um, stick kind of thing that looks like uh, underarm deodorant. Oh, that's, that's exactly a new one, like. new one, yes. Yeah, and so you take, uh, I think, probably the best way to do it on poison oak, poison ivy, or any weed, honestly, if you want to control it with this stuff, is to put a plastic bag on one hand and then just wipe the gel on the leaf so the leaf doesn't fall away from the pressure. Got it, you know got what it, I mean. got it. And... The gel goes on the leaf, the, the Roundup acts, 
boomity bang, it's dead. But got the Pakistandra and the Vinca and whatever you got underneath is perfectly unharmed, no problem at all. Got it. Thank you, Walter. So Thank that you so much. Is a way to do it. Thank you. I respect your program more. I've been listening to you forever, and I just, uh, it's a Saturday morning. It's my prize for the week. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll do this. Charles, thanks so much for calling, man. Thank you, sir. 404 Of course, another way of doing this, you don't necessarily have to buy the new Roundup gel. What you could do instead is take a little foam paintbrush and get that from the hardware store for a dollar and spray some Roundup on the foam paintbrush. Just paint that onto the leaves. Same sort of deal. Cheaper, easier. Well, I don't know if it's easier, but it's at least as effective as the uh, gel is. But I just saw that Roundup gel. I thought, well, that's a cool thing. The one thing that I think the gel would be useful for is making an edge. You know around the edge of your lawn where the Bermuda grass gets over the flower bed or the, in my case, St. Augustine grass is in my flower beds? I can just take that gel and sort of wipe it down the edge of the of the grass and kill the grass that I don't want to go into the beds and it would make a nice clean brown edge around the around the beds there. So that's something that could be used. But again, the fly, the, the paintbrush and the spray the stuff on, that could work too. Uh, William. William's out in Cartersville and joins us. Hey, William, good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, I have a question about a uh, fig tree that I got from one of the larger landscape and garden supply centers. Right. Um, I've had this fig tree in the ground for, this will be the going on second year. Yeah. Um, each year it seems to die back and it doesn't come back until maybe late May. Oh, man. Um, I noticed that every time it comes back, it'll look nice and green and vibrant. But, you know, after probably about four weeks, I noticed the new growth start to turn yellow and splotchy, and then uh, it'll get brown spots and then just die. Right. That's that not what we like. No, we got to fix that. Um, but it does, this, it does this every year. Do you so happen to remember, Charles, or William, I mean, was there any name on that? Do you remember what kind of fig it was? It's a black mission. Ah, that's the problem. Mission figs don't grow here. They're cold. They're not winter tolerant. Gotcha. Ah, and I'm not going to ask you what the name of the store was where you bought it, but I will tell you that the reputation of stores that have a lot of orange or a lot of blue in their uh, logos is sometimes deficient when it comes to selling things that uh, may or may not grow here in Georgia. Okay. Uh, I saw a... Uh, what is it called? Tropical tree fern the other day at one of these stores. And it said, perennial. Grows great. And I thought, tropical tree fern? Are you idiots? No, it's not going to grow here. It's going to get frozen in the wintertime. Uh, so do your research. If you want figs, William, I mean, Carter, shoot, what am I talking about? William, if you want figs, brown turkey or Celeste, that's the one to get. Brown turkey or Celeste, either one will grow great in Georgia. They'll give you figs every year. They're cold hardy. They do great. Mine is full of figs right now. That's what you want. Not Mission, brown turkey, or Celeste. Got it. I got to go, though. Thanks so much for calling. William. drive safely, my friend, at 618, and we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. Join us Monday for Atlanta's Morning News, the first headed votes on new gun controls in the hot, stormy days next week. After the weekend cool down and Kirk Mellish's five-day forecast, you can plan ahead with WSB and the WSB Radio app. Now, Red Solo Cup is the best receptacle for barbecues, tailgates, fairs, and festivals, and you, sir, do not have a pair of testicles if you prefer 
were drinking from glass. A red solo cup is cheap and disposable. In 14 years, they are decomposable. And unlike my home, they are not foreclosable. Freddie Mac kissed my Woo! Red solo cup. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. I love you, Red Solo Cup. I lift you up. Proceed. And time for a quick weather update. Scott, where the heck did you find that song? That's Toby Keith, man. That's been around for a while. That's like a big time party song with the country crowd. Red Solo Cup. In memory, in honor of the blue solo cup of the deer fly. I'm just totally. Totally impressed with your genius, Scott Scott Maxim. Now, a quick weather update. we got to get the weather here. Quick weather update. Ackerman Security. It's overtime. All right, bottom line, it was 90 degrees last week. Today, it's going to be actually pretty nice. Temperatures today in the, yeah, let's call it the mid-80s. Slim chance to shower here and there. It's going to be pretty nice. Partly cloudy skies dropping to the low 60s tonight. It's a pretty nice day, Scott. Thank you for bringing us the song and the great weather. This morning, the full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes. Tom is in Buford, Georgia, and Tom joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man, how are you? Walter, how are you doing? Tommy, I'm fine. What's up? Well, okay, so uh, I'm out in Buford, got several acres, and uh, about 20 years ago, I planted these azaleas. So I have about four or five islands of azaleas, and for years now, I've just been pulling these vines that wrap around the azalea itself. They kind of, after a while, you can see them shooting up over top, and they're they're uh, they're not poisonous or anything, but I can't get rid of the damn thing. Yeah. What, what's going on there with that? And then we've been pulling them and pulling them and. And I'm just tired. Any thorns on the vines? Say again? Do they have thorns on the vines? Uh, you, uh, you know, there's two types of vines. One does have the thorns real prickly, mm-hmm. and then the other just does not. Kind of, uh, it's easy, They're easy to pull, but, what, but down, down deep, or, you know, they're really tough like a rope. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is because all over my azaleas, in one little corner of the yard, there's a vine called Smilax. And Smilax is known for having big thorns. Miserable, okay. miserable vine. But the problem with Smilax is it has a very, very tuberous yellow root that goes all over the place underneath the ground. And That's I found it. through bitter experience that unless you dig up that root, you'll never get rid of the Smilax. I have sprayed Roundup on Smilax a million times, and it kills it initially, and then you wait another three months or so, and up comes the Smilax again from another part of the root. Bang, bang, bang. So to be real truthful, Tom, you can keep spraying or wiping with the gel or painting with the paintbrush. You can do all that kind of stuff if you want to. Slowly you'll get control. But eventually you'll say, I'm tired of this. I want to hire somebody to go out there with a shovel and dig up those yellow roots off the Smilax and kill it that way. I mean, to be honest, that's probably the practical way of doing things. Today will be a nice day. I mean, honestly, it's not going to be too hot. Try it today. See what you can get accomplished this afternoon. And if that doesn't work, hire some teenage kid to go out there with a shovel and dig those darn things up and get them out of there. It's 628 and a half. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 635 and 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden, doing whatever you want to do. If you need advice on how to do it and how to avoid what you don't want to do, then you can give me a call. I'm good at avoiding what I don't want to do, all right? So I can give you advice on that, too. My phone number is 404-872-0750. By the way, one of the things that I do want to do is go to Cuba again. I'm going to Cuba again for the fifth time, taking garden groups, and not only gardening. We see a couple of gardens while we're there, but we talk about Cuban history, Cuban dance, Cuban art, Cuban just uh, mojitos. <laughs> you know, we have all sorts of fun going to Cuba. These are legal State Department sanctioned trips, and I do it through a um, to a travel company that's had their Cuba license now for several years. But if you're interested in going to Cuba, this is a once in a lifetime trip, and I'm doing it in October this year. You can go to my website and see the thing right there on the front page of my website at WalterReeves.com. Let's go to the phones. Who we got here? David's out in Sandy Springs, and David joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning to you, Walter. How can I help? Uh, I had all the brambles and such cut out of the backyard and they're coming to, uh this afternoon or this morning actually to grind up the tree stumps that are there uh i've got all this big bare area now uh <laughs> what kind of, can i put down some uh seed or is that out of the question i'd need to put sod down to make uh have some sort of a grass area i mean it looks pretty awesome in the backyard now you don't have oh, the trees does. there you got it sunshine is. and no brambles come on Oh yeah, it's great. I love it. What's what's your vision eventually for putting back there, David? Uh, just a, a big grass area yeah. with, uh, and then, unfortunately, uh, I think I spoke with you at one time about having a garden, but because I have a septic tank, they said not to do that. Uh, my daughter said, "Well, we could do a raised yeah. uh, bed." Sure. Um, so. Uh, you know, possibly doing that. I also want to build a, a workshop back there. Someplace. All right. All right. Is it possible for you to water this area? Is it small enough that you can get water to it? Oh, yeah. That's not not a problem. If you can irrigate, you can put Bermuda seed, zoysia seed down. It sounds like you're not particularly interested in sod, um, but sod is a possibility if you want to go that route. But you certainly can plant Zoysia, zenith, zenith zoysia, is the one that comes from seed most often, and um, there are two or three: Sahara and Compadre, and the third one I can't remember right now. Bermuda grass um, seed, you can buy those from nurseries. Pike certainly has them. Yes. And as long as you can irrigate, but that's the deal. When it gets to be summertime in Georgia, if the little seeds dry out for more than just a little while, a day is too much of dry soil for a seed. They have to be kept moist continuously for a couple of weeks, and if you can get that done, you can have a nice Bermuda or zoysia lawn in the back. Okay. Now, the, the zoysia, is that, uh, that has runners, am I correct? Well, both of them do, yeah. Oh, Bermuda and the zoysia. Ooh, okay. big time. Zoysia is smaller and slower, I guess, than Bermuda grass, but Bermuda is the one that gets into flower beds sometimes, but also it recovers from um, traffic. So if, let's say you had kids or a dog or something like Got that, dogs Bermuda now. certainly recovers from traffic a lot faster than zoysia does. Okay. All right. Well, I can do that and cover it up with the uh, uh, pine straw and, yeah. and put the little sprinkler system yeah. out. And you could do it. Have a pretty lawn. It'd be look real nice by September, David. Excellent. 
All right. If you need some details, I'm not going to go through all the details of how to water and how to wean the plant off of your watering <coughs> system. But um, go to my website. Just type in um, Bermuda Seed, I guess is the right way to do it in the search line, and it'll give you a whole page full of stuff to do to make the Bermuda okay. And I've got these, um, I think they're blueberries uh, um, yeah. or blackberries. The blackberry yeah. stuff that keeps, uh, they're shooting up. I keep trying to cut those down. Uh, Every time you cut one, spray the stump with Roundup. It'll make them not sprout again. And if you don't spray it with Roundup, they'll come back again and drive you nuts. So you put a little bit of weed killer on the stump when you cut them down. Uh, How will that uh, affect the seed? Uh, Well, you're only putting a little tiny bit of the Roundup on that little tiny bit of spot. It'll kill the seed, certainly, but you're just trying to get the stump with the herbicide. Okay. Okay. All right. Or I could paint it. As yeah, you, you could paint it on. Yeah, that'd work too, David. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. David, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Vicki has been waiting patiently. She's on her way to work. Let's get Vicki in and get her out. Hey, Vicki, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Well, I have a beautiful raised bed garden in the back of my house. Yep. And I've put compost, cow- and my own compost and cow manure for years, and it's black, loamy soil. Awesome. And But in the summer, I'm usually gone a lot. It's not the best garden. But this year, my friends are building a house, and they put their camper in our backyard. <laughs> so they're watering like every when it's hot every three days. And he's always sprayed. He's never had an organic garden. I call mine organic. And so he's like, one, we're like, no, you're not spraying with miracle Grow. So he found the organic miracle Grow. Okay. So now the leaves of the squash look like they're from the lost of the dead, oh, lost, the land of the lost. I'm serious. They're huge and beautiful. And we're getting, you know, a lot of squash. We have tomatoes. But the, the tomatoes in particular, the leaves are turning green. So I looked on the bottle, and it just seems to be all nitrogen. So I need to know what to add to, you know, boost up the leaves so they won't be yellow. Apparently they're missing, a new, you know, something. And these are like butter yellow. It's not like a spot that turns the leaf yellow, but it is a butter yellow throughout the leaf. Is that right? I believe so. I, Yeah, just like a whole section of all the leaves will be yellow. Let me, let me cogitate just a minute here, Vicki. One of the I mean, my, my mind sometimes turns to disease, sometimes it turns to environmental conditions, sometimes it turns to what weird thing could Vicky be doing that would cause yellow leaves. Exactly. So, all right, I'll give you a couple of choices here, and you do a little homework to figure out which one is which. But there is a certain wilt. There's one called fusarium wilt that gets on tomatoes, not all that commonly, but it certainly does cause yellow leaves. So fusarium wilt, and you'll, again, this is one of those things I don't have time to give you all the details about how to diagnose it, but fusarium wilt is something to think about. I've got pictures on my website if you want to look there. Yeah, and I can look that up. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. Another yellowing would be the disease. The early blight of tomatoes will sometimes cause spotting on the leaf, but the leaf eventually turns a nice big butter yellow with brown spots throughout. And so early blight is a possibility. Best thing to do there is to remove those disease leaves so it does not spread through the rest of the vine. And the third thing is it's possible that the fertilizer is over over applying nutrients. That's not a not an unusual thing to happen, although it would be unusual for you to have a yellow leaf that turn or a green leaf to turn yellow as a result of over fertilization. So maybe, maybe not. 
It's one of those things that unless I see the plant and I'm standing beside your garden, I probably can't diagnose it over the radio, but I'll give you those three things at least to think about. Fusarium wilt, early blight, maybe the fertilizer has some other effect that I'm not possibly thinking about right now. Okay. On the bag, it said, or on the bottle, it said 800. Yeah. So, so it just seemed to be all nitrogen. It is, yeah. but uh, if you're applying according to the label directions, generally speaking, you're going to be okay. It's not going to cause okay. damage to the plant. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you so much. Go back to work. We'll see you later, Vicki. All right, bye-bye. We'll see you. Margaret is in Atlanta, and she has a question about fertilizer as well. Hey, Margaret, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Uh, I want to know, should we be fertilizing? I got a little watermelon patch, and uh -huh. I got... Little watermelons on it. Ooh, nice. Still got blossoms, you know. Yeah, sure. And hello? It depends on, Margaret, whether or not you're able to water at the same time. Can you water this little watermelon patch? Uh-huh. All right. If you can, then yes, you can fertilize. But one of the things that when heat comes in the summertime, you're really, really smart to think about whether you should be fertilizing or not. Some plants, frankly, if you fertilize them right now, it stresses them and they use more water and it just makes a whole big problem with those plants you don't want to have to deal with. Sure. So fertilizing in that case would be a bad thing. But if you can water, and you know by the name watermelon that <laughs> they need water. Right. So if right. you can fertilize and water at the same time and you know not allow the plant to dry out, then sure, you can fertilize watermelons. They have a great big vine. They need a lot of food. They need a lot of nitrogen to make them grow big and wide and support the melons that hopefully are going to be coming soon. Okay. What about my sweet potato patch? Does it need fertilizer? Yeah, right now, probably not. Okay. If, it, if the weather turns a little bit, I don't know. Yeah. Let me think about this. Yeah, let me think about that. I may go back on my word, <laughs> Margaret. When did you fertilize the sweet potatoes already? When you planted them or at all? Yeah, when we planted. Well, I don't think we've fertilized them since we planted them. No. Do it again. All right. I was wrong. Let's do it again. We need some uh, fertilizer on there to make more leaves. And as you know, sweet potato leaves are what feed the the potatoes being made underground. And okay. so the more leaves you have, the bigger your potatoes will be. And because I know you can water, okay, fertilize potatoes, fertilize watermelon, but water and make sure they don't dry out. Thank you much. It's my pleasure to be of service to you. We'll see you Thank soon, Thank you Margaret. again. Bye-bye. We've got Jim and Marietta who's with us this morning. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Hey, good morning. I've got a, uh, three tomato plants. They're all in the exact same environment. They're all about four foot tall. Yeah. Two of them could not produce any more tomatoes, and the third one's doing absolutely nothing. Uh, and I just wondered what I did wrong, and should I take it out? Is it blooming at all? Nothing. Nothing. A couple little blooms, but they've been on there for two weeks, and they just <laughs> yellow up, and they just don't do a dang thing, you know? I, I was, uh, during the break, I was talking to Rachel, the call screener this morning, and I said, Rachel, when things get hot, that's when the tomato growers all have problems. And one of the things that can happen with tomatoes is when the temperature gets above 90 degrees, the pollen gets pretty sticky. It doesn't want to go anywhere inside the flower. Even though you have male and female parts inside a tomato flower, they should pollinate themselves just fine with a little bit of wind or something. But in hot, hot weather, the pollen just doesn't move. So that could explain why you have blooms but no tomatoes. And some varieties are more likely than others. It's all part of the genetic makeup of the tomato. 
So one of the things you can do, then starting now, when temperatures are creeping into the 90s off and on through the rest of the summertime, but what you can do now, um, Jim, is to go out and tap the flower clusters with a pencil or use a something that vibrates like a toothbrush or something like that. Pencils work. And just go and knock it just a couple of times. Just bat, 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 bat. Every day, a couple of times a day, it shakes the pollen loose and gives you pollination. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Now, because you're my friend, Jim, I'll tell you something else that'll happen once your tomatoes get on the vine and are growing, the ones that are on your vine now that are growing right now, 90-degree temperatures also inhibit ripening. And so it may take a much longer time for tomatoes to ripen in dead summer heat than it would be if it was spring or fall. So it's nothing you can do much about. It just is. So you either fry the green tomatoes or you wait for them to turn red. Your choice. But temperatures do have an effect on tomatoes. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Jim. Thanks for calling. Drive safely, my friend. It's 648 at News Talk WSB. we, We will be right back. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It looks like the heat has gone away for today. At least the summer arrives and the heat goes away. Last day of spring... Partly cloudy skies, a real slim chance of rain all day long. Mid-80s by the afternoon, so still pretty pleasant. A little breeze going on. Ooh, it's going to be nice. More of the same tonight. Overnight lows dropping into the low 60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Joe comes up right this minute in Noonan, Georgia. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Morning, Walter. What can I do for you? you? I'm fine, Joe. Good. What's going on with the Leland Cypress down here in Coweta County? I have a row of them, about 13 in the backyard, about 30 feet tall. Yeah. And they're all turning brown from the inside out. My friend Mary Kay Woodworth sent me a note earlier this past week saying that she had seen a little post I did on Facebook about Leland Cypresses. And my post said, this is the time when Lelands are most stressed by lack of water. Um, they get a little drought stress, and all of a sudden the bark cracks open, and they get various diseases, ceridium canker and botrysferia canker and cercospora leaf spot and all these other weird little diseases. And Mary Kay quoted one of the researchers from the University of Georgia saying, you know, I'm thinking that Leland's really don't have a long lifespan. They get affected by so many things, mostly drought. But uh, the woman at the university said, I'm going to write a fact sheet about Leland Cypress and their lifespans. And I think what's happening with yours more than likely, Joe, is there's a particular disease called ceridium canker. It starts at the bottom. It sort of goes to the inside and moves outward. The whole thing turns brown. End of story. That's the end of the Leland. And if it's not them blowing over because of a small root system, it's getting the diseases and cankers and things. And frankly, all you can do, like my initial Facebook post said, is water in summertime and keep your fingers crossed. That is about it. There's no okay. fungicide well, or anything else. I put out soaker hose, and I'm, I'm trying to keep them watered. So all right. You're doing the best, the best thing you can. I can do then. Best you can right there, Joe. Thanks for calling, man. Thank you. Tell them hey Bye-bye. for us in Noonan, Georgia. We'll see you soon. 657 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. Our phone number is 404-872-0750. Any question entertained and answers given while you wait. We'll be back after news. To do dumb-
Yeah.